0: This winter, Hulu and Disney Plus are better together in a brand new bundle. That's wicked. Wicked good. With titles like Disenchanted and Willow on Disney Plus. And Fleischman is in trouble. And welcome to Chippendales on Hulu.
1: I love this place.
0: All for just 9 dollars a month. All of these and more now streaming. 18 and over only. Access content from each service separately. Offer valid for eligible subscribers only. Terms apply. See the DisneyBundle.com for details. Today is a new day. Today is the day that your voice will be heard. Today, you will learn more about how to empower yourself, take control of your life, and form healthy relationships with yourself and others. Welcome to your new life. My name is Dr. Ludi Green. And I'm the host of the podcast, Ending Domestic Abuse. In this podcast, you will hear from top experts in fields like finance, economics, psychology, psychiatry, and many more. And you will hear stories from people who have defied the odds, overcome abuse, and found their way to success. Together, we'll offer you support and practical ideas to pursue your goals, start on a new path, and protect yourself and others from abuse. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse, and this is your host, Dr. Ludi Green. Today, we're going to talk about human trafficking. Human trafficking, often called modern-day slavery, is a very scary and disturbing issue. We know that it occurs frequently here in the United States, and we know that it continues to happen despite the work of politicians, human rights legislation, and activism, and law enforcement. We also know that human trafficking can target women and even helpless children. We know how scary human trafficking is, but unfortunately, this fear can blind us from the true impact of human trafficking. You might hear human trafficking and imagine a little girl suddenly getting kidnapped off the street and never seen again. You might remember viral Facebook posts you have seen warning that human traffickers are choosing their next victim by marking cars in a target parking lot. When we focus only on these sensationalized stories and myths about trafficking, We can't forget to listen to stories of victims who have actually been through it. About 30,000 trafficked people are brought into the United States from other countries, especially Mexico and the Philippines. These people could be tricked into fraudulent employment contracts or promised a better life, only to have their passport taken upon arrival and forced into labor or sex work. The majority of human trafficking in the United States happens within U.S. borders, and thus includes primarily women and children. But in the vast majority of cases, victims are not randomly kidnapped off the street. In 2013, 60% of child trafficking victims were in the foster care system. In 2017, 14% of children reported missing were expected to be victims of sex trafficking, and 88% of those had been in child welfare. In reality, most trafficking survivors were trafficked by people they know, including romantic partners and family members. When we only focus on attention-grabbing myths about human trafficking, the conversation becomes incorrectly centered, and we forget to listen to complex stories of actual survivors. I am going to briefly tell you one of these stories today before I introduce our special guest. Tiffany Simpson was trafficked as a child by a man who she thought truly loved her. She was from a broken home and trusted her trafficker, who was one of the first people in her life, to show her love and affection. Then he began to abuse, threaten, and control her. When she tried to leave, he threatened to hurt her and her grandmother. He gave her drugs and forced her to have sex with men for money. Looking back at that time of her life, Tiffany said, I didn't have the word then, but I do now. I was a slave. Her trafficker was 34 years old and Tiffany was 17 when he learned another 13-year-old runaway who needed help. Tiffany and the younger girl were both brutally assaulted by multiple men. However, when police came, Tiffany was arrested alongside her trafficker and sentenced to 20 years in adult prison for prostitution and trafficking another minor. Although Tiffany was a trafficking victim herself and being treated like a slave, she was seen as a criminal by the justice system. She has already served eight of those years. Today, our guest is Andrea Powell. Founder of the nonprofit Fair Girls and Karana Rising. And we will be learning about the work that she and Karana Rising are doing to stop human trafficking and support survivors like Tiffany. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me join. And thank you so much for that beautiful retelling of Tiffany's situation and story. Can you start by telling the listeners a bit about
0: yourself and the two nonprofits that you have founded, Fair Girls and Karana Rising?
1: Sure. So again, I'm Andrea Powell, and I am the co creator and executive director for Corona Rising. Corona Rising's name actually stands for Dear One in Latin. And every survivor who is a part of our team at Corona Rising is a dear leader with lived expertise. And we are together developing a new model for survivor leadership and advocacy self-care, mentoring, and personal growth for survivors in the United States and globally. And actually, as a note, every survivor on our team was, in fact, one of my clients when I was the co-founder and executive director for Fair Girls, which is a DC-based nonprofit providing direct services and housing for survivors of trafficking. I started Fair Girls when I was 22, so I've been in the field close to... Now, 17, 18 years and have just seen this incredible evolution of survivor leadership and survivors emerging with lived expertise to to make sure that the services that are provided and the advocacy that's undertaken is done with true knowledge of what survivors need and what they've gone through. What an amazing organization, Corona Rising, and the beautiful name as
0: well, you know, like you call them, dear leaders and have these women part of it which is so critical, as they're the ones, they're the survivors, and they know what they have been through, and they can serve you as good advisors to your organization. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Why is the issue of human trafficking so important to you, and what motivated you to add your voice to the conversation about anti-trafficking?
1: So, you know, it it started so much younger than I realized when I started the organization, Fair Girls, in the beginning and later, Karana Rising. And it started with, I would see girls in my small hometown in Texas who would be bullied, who would be sexually harassed, who also experienced sexual assault. I'm also a survivor of sexual assault from my, my early years. And I really wanted to work in a space that would elevate survivor voices even then. And I was always getting in trouble at school for advocating for other other kids. And really, you know, as I went abroad at 17 to study in Germany, I met a girl who was in fact a slave to her so-called husband. She was the fourth wife. It was domestic servitude. And I just couldn't believe when she disappeared that the police didn't do anything. All I kept hearing was that happens to girls like them, to those girls, because she was from Syria. And it really inspired me to search for her. And along the way and going throughout Eastern Europe, I discovered the issue of sex trafficking by walking smack into brothels. And my journey in this space started with wanting to work internationally. But then fast forward to 2005, I'm in Washington, DC and working out of my house. And I started getting phone calls from the police saying, we've got this girl, we've heard of your organization. And I said, well, we don't do things domestically. They're like, well, we're bringing her to you anyway. I'm like, okay. And so pretty soon I had all these teenage girls like running around my house and, and I was like, what am I going to do? And so that was this evolution of getting therapists and finding ways to provide housing, then opening our own safe house. But I just knew that we we needed to keep bringing survivors into that conversation, not to be a part of the conversation, but to actually shape it. And that really inspired Corona Rising as, as one of the co-creators, along with my colleagues Fetcha and Liz, we really wanted to be that space where survivors are making the table we sit at and not just being invited to sit at the end and share their story.
0: This really, truly comes from your heart. I can see it and feel it. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story, you know, and also by giving yourself to this amazing mission and definitely it's your life mission.
1: I'm sure I can, every time I think it's too hard, I'm leaving and I'm going to go, open oh, a going to Hawaii. By the end of my fantasy, all the survivors are with me in Hawaii. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well just stay here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we all need you. It is so important to center the conversation about human trafficking around facts and survivors. It is our job to help people realize that sex trafficking does not typically look like a woman being kidnapped randomly off the street. Can you tell us what sex trafficking actually looks like in this country? And can you share some more stories of other victims like Tiffany, what we can learn about and help?
1: Absolutely. So I want to tell it almost in an allegorical way. So imagine that you suddenly lose your job. You don't have a three-month savings plan because no one ever taught you how to save money. You're 19. You are suddenly realizing that you need to move. And you start to step out your door and there's a few bricks in front of you and you step over them. As you step over them, you trip and you cut your knee. But you can't go to the doctor because you don't have money for insurance. So you come back home and you step back over the bricks. It hurts because of your knee. You go to sleep and you wake up and you realize your knee's infected. Now you can't go to that new job you just got. You open your door to go look for another one two days later, and there's a whole bunch more bricks in front of you the bricks of bills, past trauma, the fact that you grew up in foster care and you don't have parents to call. And then suddenly, You hear a knock and it's someone saying, I noticed that you have all these bricks in front of your door. I'll move them for you, but you're going to owe me later. And so he moves all the bricks. You step out and you realize he looks like Prince Charming and you think all of this pain, everything I've been through has built me up for this moment to meet this person who's promising to help me find a job, take care of me, love me. It's like having family and having a lover all in one. This person's my everything. And for a few days, there's no bricks in front of you. The sky is clear and one day you go to open the door and it's just one huge brick and there's no way out and you turn around and the person you thought loved you says, it's now time to pay and you realize there's no one to call. And that's what sex trafficking looks like.
0: Mm -hmm. That's beautifully explained. I mean, it's very clear that way you put in the way, you know, how these women ended up in the situations. Thank you for that. Who is most at risk of human and sex trafficking? What does decreasing this risk look like for those in vulnerable groups, such as the foster care system or the LGBTQ
1: community? So when you think about human trafficking, both sex trafficking and labor trafficking, I like to look at it in two buckets. One is vulnerability and one is exploitation. So people who are vulnerable, traffickers target them because they think they have less of a support network. So people who are living with disabilities cognitively or emotionally They might be individuals who traffickers would meet because they're going to pick up their benefit checks or they're living in a group home with people with disabilities or they're going to a mental health facility. Traffickers know how to target those individuals and they also know that society often doesn't take people with disabilities credibly. So they don't feel like they're going to be believed. You also have young boys who are also on the streets along with young girls and they're trying to survive. They don't want to look homeless they don't want to go to group programs and people often say well why don't they just you know walk into a shelter but most children who've been on the streets or young people they're there because the adults they trusted abused them hurt them neglected them didn't trust them treated them badly so why would they go to another program run by adults saying you can trust me and I'll take care of you and I'll support you when they've never had the lived experience of an adult treating them fairly so those young people are vulnerable young people who are struggling with their gender identity are vulnerable adults who are out of work and desperate to pay for their children's food. They're vulnerable. Displaced people are vulnerable. Basically, traffickers target that in order to make a profit. In particular, with sex trafficking, people often look at the word sex because it's horrifying to think of that happening. But the reality is that trafficking is about money. If a trafficker thought they'd make more money by painting dogs purple and selling them, they'd do that instead. They don't care about the sex or or the labor per se. They care about their own bottom line. And so I always say if you want to understand vulnerability, think about it from that economic perspective because that's what the trafficker is trying to do. They're trying to elevate their economic status through basically the currency of the vulnerability of the person they have. What legal or political reforms need to be made to ensure that
0: victims are supported and wrongful convictions like Tiffany's do not continue happening?
1: I'll share that as an emerging initiative. There's been incredible progress to ensure that victims of trafficking are identified as such in the child welfare system. There's been legislation to prohibit online publishers from profiting off of knowingly facilitating sex trafficking. There's been amazing reform in labor standards to make sure that organizations and companies are held accountable for their supply chain. But what's missing right now in a large way federally and on many state levels is the ability to ensure that trafficking victims like Tiffany and others who we're serving are instead treated as victims and protected by the justice system designed to protect them as opposed to being criminalized and incarcerated. In Tiffany's case, The judge in the case, when he was sentencing her, said, this is what you get for shacking up with a pimp. Now, as horrible as that statement is, it's also informative that he knew she was being trafficked because a child can't shack up with a pimp. (laughs) A child is a child That that is a trafficking situation. Tiffany's own attorney at the time referred to her as damaged goods. Now, here's something interesting that the defense attorney now is willing to speak out about how he didn't have the knowledge about trafficking. So, what we believe as survivors should happen next is we need to mandate federally and on state level that defense attorneys, i.e., public defenders, as well as others, are required to be educated on how to screen for trafficking and required to connect those they suspect have been trafficked or know have been trafficked to direct service providers in their community. And they need to treat the investigation of that client's own trafficking seriously. In Tiffany's case, her own trafficking has never been investigated. She's been in there now nine years, actually, and we're gearing up toward fighting for her release through our petition, through an upcoming habeas hearing. There's there's a large effort and her new attorney's incredible, but what would be better is to go upstream so that Tiffany never would have had to have gone through this and fought like this. And when I've asked Tiffany, what do you think, about the why did the legal system leave you out in the cold and lock you up? Why do you think that they didn't see your own trafficking? And what Tiffany said, and she's also said it in the film that we released about her, it's because society wanted to put me in a box and throw away the key so they didn't have to look all of their failings in the face. Unbelievable. And Tiffany's an incredible advocate now. I met her eight years ago. She saw an article we were in in USA Today. Her dad actually saw it. He's in prison for life another crime and that speaks to the generational trauma but she sent me a letter that said this is my story am I a prostitute or am I a victim of trafficking and I spent days and days handwriting her this really long letter back explaining why I thought she potentially was a victim of trafficking and that no matter what label she chose we were here to help her and I had no idea the fight that we would have to try to get Tiffany out and I have to say meeting Tiffany, working with Tiffany, becoming Tiffany's advocate, but also becoming Tiffany's friend. I have never learned so much in my life about what survivor injustice looks like, and I've never felt more right in what I'm doing with my team to advance survivor justice through true survivor leadership. And that starts with Tiffany Simpson, who is an incredible advocate, even from within prison walls. Thank you for sharing such an insightful
0: information. Unbelievable. Where can listeners learn more about the work that Corona Rising is doing
1: and follow along with your work? Thank you for asking. So listeners can go to www.carana. that's K-A-R-A-N-A, rising.org. You can follow us on Instagram at we are Karana Rising, And please take a moment to watch Tiffany Simpson's five-minute animated film, which is tiny.url backslash lack of love and you can find that on our website as well and you can learn more about survivor justice at freetiffany.org which is about tiffany and many other survivors who could really use the listeners time to sign their petitions and join us in this advocacy effort thank you so much indra and we're going to take a short break and when we come
0: back indra will answer some questions from our listeners Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse. Today we're talking with Andrea Powell, founder of Fair Girls and Karana Rising. And now Indra will take some questions from our listeners. We have a question from Sally from Santa Fe, New Mexico. She says, the story of Tiffany is similar to what I lived for a short while. My boyfriend of two years who said he loved me, he got involved with a bad crowd and basically sold me into prostitution so he could have money to pay for his drugs and bills. I was able to escape from him thanks to a wonderful organization who rescued me. But I'm still struggling emotionally and physically, and I feel I won't be able to have a normal life
1: again. What is your advice? Thank you, first of all, dear one, for such a beautiful sharing and question. I'd like to say for everyone who's listening if you are a survivor interested in or struggling with your own healing journey, or want to be connected to a true sisterhood of survivors, and men survivors are invited as well, I should say, you can reach out to me at Andrea at andrea.coronarising.org. You are welcome at Corona Rising. There is no judgment. There is truly a community of survivors, and you can be a public survivor, such as many of my team members. You can hang back and take our online courses on personal growth. You can get access to other services. I truly believe it's important for individuals to know that if you are a survivor living in plain sight, that you are not alone. And the fact that this young woman or woman in general, I guess, is is reaching out is such a beautiful testament to someone who's rising up. So I just applaud you for reaching out. And I really, truly am waiting for your email. Thanks once again to our guest, Andrea Powell. And thanks to you for
0: listening No matter who you are or what you have been through, you can find help and you can find a way out of abuse and into your new life. Send me an email through my website at ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com. Or you can call our hotline at 202-643-2327. That's 202-643-2327. We'll find you a way out to freedom. You can find me on social media at Dr. Ludigreen on Instagram and Twitter. You can also help stop abuse by spreading word of our podcast just go on Spotify and please give us a five-star rating or share your comments thank you again and together let's all find a life you deserve